Welcome to the New York City Bar Association podcast. Today, Adrian Woods, a member of the City Bar's Social Networking and Events Committee, sat down with Bruce Libman, a master business development strategist, to unpack the fundamentals of effective networking that will generate business for lawyers. You never know where that relationship is going to go. You got to be open enough to allow that to happen. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers and not necessarily of the City Bar. Here's Adrian Woods. Hi, my name's Adrian Woods. I head up the bankruptcy group at Weinberg, Zara, Malkin, Price. I'm also a member of the Networking and Social Events Committee of the New York City Bar Association. I am here today with Bruce Lidman. So networking is an essential part of business development, and a lawyer's ability to acquire and maintain clients is critical to their success as a lawyer. Despite this, few law schools teach the fundamental skill, and many young as well as established lawyers don't understand how to network effectively. So Bruce is a master business development strategist, and he's here today to tell us about how to develop our referral network and build lasting relationships that will lead to current and long-term business generation. He is also the president and founder of the group Accountants Resource Group, which caters to high-end professionals looking to expand their social network. Bruce, thank you for being here today. How are you? I'm great, and it's a pleasure to be here. I don't know how to follow that up. You really talking about me? I don't think you're talking about me. I think you're talking about somebody else. But yeah, it's it's a pleasure to be here and very excited to have a discussion about this because I think it's vital for people's growth. Thank you. And so I guess why don't we just launch into it? So, what is networking to you? What does it well, mean? Well, I will tell you my definition, which probably is not in Webster's dictionary, that there's a four-letter word inside that word, and that's work. A lot of people use other four-letter words because they get frustrated with it. But it is work, and it is a commitment. It's interesting what you express, especially for young professionals who unfortunately never get exposed to this educationally because they get into the marketplace and what do I do now? And they get a job and they want growth, obviously. All right. And generally that growth happens to the person who brings in the business the most. That's where the opportunities really lie. And I think it's all about education. And it's all about overcoming the fear of this. Because it's we live in a society today where everything is emails and texts and uh, nobody picks the phone up and uh, and so forth. And I think we have to get back to basics and realized it's always about relationships. That makes and it's sense. always about people that you've known, people that you've established relationships with. And so how do I establish new relationships? Greatest challenge. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to join a group and I'm going to go there at seven o'clock in the morning and I'm going to tell everybody what I do and hopefully something's going to happen. Work? It worked for some people. I always admire that. And I always believe that there is a certain gene inside of people who find that they're able to communicate that well. But many people, again, today, going back to social media, communicate through their phones and their emails. How do I establish the fact that I can be a good networker? 
The key is good communication. The key is being open and realize that we're all human beings and we all have energy around us. And the goal and objective is to be as open with a person as you possibly can and engage people. The footsteps that you take is always asking open-ended questions of people. We all need to be more educated with the people that we work with and taking control of those conversations and being able to ask always open-ended questions. Because one of the things that we want is to learn about those other people. We're in a business There's something that, interesting there. Yeah. Open-ended questions. Yeah. Can you give me some examples of what kinds of questions, what kinds of open-ended questions I should be looking to phrase and what kind of responses I hope to elicit from them? When you and I, the first thing I asked you was, tell me your story. Tell me about yourself, Adrian. Because Adrian was looking to find out as much as she could about me, my organization. But I wanted to know more about you. I wanted to know more about your story. And I have found over the years that people love to talk about themselves. They really do. And everybody has a story. And I think it's interesting when you start to ask that open-ended question right there and allow people to express themselves. As they're telling you their story, it's almost like an out-of-body experience. From what they're expressing to you, what your next question is going to be. You really do. The first question opens up the conversation. So let's not talk. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. All right. Let's ask that question and get feedback from there. You will find out most times as people are communicating with you, they don't tell this story to anybody. They don't talk to their partner about it. They don't talk to their spouse about it. So you're allowing somebody to express themselves. And I think that's very healthy. And that's the human side of the beginning of a relationship. So one thing that I found is that well, there are a fair number of lawyers who are frankly a little on the socially awkward side. Yeah. And they aren't necessarily people who are super comfortable with conversing on a personal, on an interpersonal level. They're very good at talking about what they do and the elements of the law, but they're not good at interpersonal skills. What would you say to that person? That person is probably more of an introvert, mm -hmm. but I would think that what they should do is as they're meeting people, they meet a person just like they were going to meet a new client or a new prospect. If a new prospect walked inside the door, all right, and was introduced to them, they would sit down and they would be, what they would be doing? They'd be just doing a discovery. They'd be, tell me about what's going on. Tell me how I can help you. If I listen to your story, I could find ability to help you through this situation. They are so comfortable in talking like that. It shouldn't be any different when you're at an event or you're networking, same type of thing. So tell me about yourself. I'm always interested in hearing people's story. So the same type of discovery is done for the person you're meeting at a networking group or you're being introduced to somebody. If I introduce two attorneys 
All right. I know that they're going to start to have a conversation, hopefully. So somebody's got to be able to take charge of that conversation and open up the conversation. Otherwise, they're both going to be sitting there just looking at each other. My belief system is somebody's got to be the proactive one. Somebody's got to take charge. And once they take charge, they feel more and more comfortable about doing that. Some of this is, you know, what I could say, it's almost like you're on stage. You're an actor. And you're going to turn around and you're going to do this act. And you're going to start off by, that's your first line. Waiting for that line to come back to you and move from there. Because it's a funny thing. That attorney that is a little bit introverted will feel much more comfortable with that person answering that initial question. And they'll feel more comfortable about starting that conversation from another view, viewpoint, but it's always about who gets started first. How do I do this? I shook your hand. I gave you my card. Nobody cares. <laughs> All right. But what they do care about is conversation. And all it is a conversation. It's not a sale. You're not selling yourself. <clears throat> You're just having a conversation with somebody you just met. And I always say, and I've said this for years, It's dating. Anybody who still dates or can remember when they did date, when they met somebody, what did we do? Sure, we sat there and either we looked at each other without conversing at all, or we got into that conversation. All right. And trust me when I tell you that conversation winds up to be a discovery conversation. So (laughs) tell me about yourself. Tell me what you do. All right. And much like dating, if there's no conversation, there probably won't be a second date. Then comes the, what is the Achilles heel? If you had a good conversation, what's the follow-up to that? Because if you don't follow up that conversation and you know it was a good one, then you can be assured that 70% of everything that was talked about is gone by Thursday. We're running, we're running a business, we're meeting other people. So we don't follow up. Nothing happens after that first date. So that leads me to my next question. What do you do after that first date? So you say you had what you deem to be a good first date. Do we wait three days to call her, Bruce? No. (laughs) I'm more aggressive than that. I ask that last question. Adrian, so how did you feel about our conversation today? I know I felt very good about it, but I'd like to get some input from you. So Adrian expresses. She could tell me something good or she could tell me something bad. But if it's good, and I know that the energy between us as I'm sitting there, I know the energy is good. Something good is happening here. We're communicating extremely well. So my belief system is that the second meeting is the most vital meeting you will ever have because that's the business development meeting. So I turn around and say, After you expressed to me that it was a positive meeting for you too, I said, listen, why don't we get together next week? Let's get our calendar out right now because I know that I know several people that I can introduce you to that hopefully you could start to build relationships with. All right. So let's take out our phone right now and let's make the date. See, I want to make the date now because if I contact you in three or four days, 
you're going to be busy. And it's the easiest way to say, I'm really jammed right now. Get back to me later. People make decisions emotionally and justify it logically. So as their emotions are up, let's make the second date right now. Trust me. Eight out of 10 times, they're going to say, that sounds great to me. Because you've already expressed the fact, and it's you're not trying to sell anybody anything. You express the fact that you know in your mind, there's a couple of people that you could help this person with. See, become a facilitator. Become a giver right away. That person may not get business from these people. This is not about finding a client for somebody, but it's about helping them market. All right. And when you get together next week or in 10 days, they're not going to forget the fact that you're making a commitment to help them. They will not come to the table with zero. They will want to help you too. Bruce, I've known you for a few years now, and I know that this is something that you have a strong opinion on. When you make that introduction, how do you go about doing that? What's the best? So one of the mistakes that a lot of professionals make, and I hear it all the time, I just expressed it. It's funny. I ran into this at our luncheon when we had to, our luncheon together. And one of our people said to me, I sent a client to X. And I said, you have to realize that client's not going to call X because that's not what people do. So what you do is you actually make an email introduction. Say, Adrian, I'd like you to meet Robert, there's a great opportunity for you there or whatever the situation is. It might be a result, resolving of a problem for a client. So you take that client, you make the email introduction to that attorney. You're playing match.com here. And the important thing is that you express to the person who you're sending this client to or prospect that you need to be CC'd as long as it doesn't break compliance. Because that's your relationship and you want to make sure that everything goes according to the way it should. And the client appreciates that too. So you're not just sending somebody to somebody. That's one of my issues with typical networking groups because they are demanding referrals. Well, I wouldn't refer anybody to anybody if I didn't know that person. And I've heard all the horror stories that come out where you lose a client because you sent them to somebody in that networking group that you were actually put into a position of a demand to do that. And you've lost that client. I remember a story with a CPA that lost a very successful client because he sent that client to a, a person in the group. Person did a terrible job, lost the client. And he told me this story and I said to him, did you at least speak to the facilitator of that group to tell him that? Because if you don't, then that person in the group is going to possibly violate another person in the group. He says, no, I didn't. And I said, then you're doing a disservice to other people in the group. For me, if I'm going to be proactive, I'm going to send an email. And I always put at the end of an email... I await your reply because that's a call to action. See, Adrian, this is all psychological. That's all this is, the psychology of networking. 
the human side of this thing that typically isn't taught. So how did you develop your technique? I have no idea. (laughs) I will tell you that I worked for some really great people in my life. Really wonderful people. And one person always comes to my mind almost daily that is no longer with us. That was more of a mentor to me than you could possibly imagine. Nobody taught me this. I just somehow or another migrated to this. And I think part of it is learning from other people, other professionals. I mean by learning their issues and problems. I did a project for several years for an insurance company working with accounting firms across the country. Um, I was on the road and I was visiting firms. And this education for me was remarkable because I saw the challenges of communication. I saw the challenges of follow-up. All of this was happening. And I knew that when I was in financial services years ago for a short time, the only reason I was ever successful was because I was always talking to people. And I'm an introvert. I would never guess that. You get me to a wedding. I'm standing at the exit door with an envelope as soon as I get there. I'm not good in crowds. I'm uncomfortable about that. I have no problem speaking about my passion and what I love to do. But so many people always invite me. Oh, why don't you come to my group? And if I'm not speaking at that group and they call upon me to speak about myself, I have four tongues. I can't, I just, I just learned from good people that I work for how to best do the right thing all the time, being able to think out of the box. All right. And I think that I had a natural ability that I had not tapped when I was younger. And as I evolved as a person, I tapped into that and never knew I had it. I really never knew I had it. I would, but a grace of the universe, I wound up like this just by embracing people and wrapping my arms around them and, and trying to acquire a friendship and their relationship. I know that you've made probably thousands of introductions throughout your career as a network facilitator. Tell me about one of your most memorable, successful introductions and why you think it worked. It's funny. I could talk about you. (laughs) I could talk about meeting you and the fun of working with you. And through our work and through the organization, look where you are today. Because you met Omid and it's been great for you and great for him. To me, that's a great success story. It's funny, it winds up on the attorney side because there's two attorneys in Long Island that one I met when he worked for a firm and was not happy. And I had this long conversation with him and I said, you know something? He said, I I think I'm going to leave the firm. He says, I'm looking around. I says, you are so bright. You shouldn't be looking around. You should be in business for yourself. You should open up a shingle, even if you work out of the house. He's a brilliant young guy. He did exactly that. He left cordially because they're still good friends with the other firm, sat in his house, 
This is before COVID and started to go to work. And I was helping him meeting people. And there was another attorney in the same type of practice who was a young fellow also had more years in the business than he did, the first attorney. And they met through a facilitation of mine. And today they're partners. The firm is significantly rich in clients. And, you know, that marriage happened through ARG. And every time I speak to them, I speak to each one separately because both of them are in New organization. And one moved to Kentucky, still comes back and forth to New York. And the other one's in, still in New York. And I work with them both. And it was the perfect marriage. And when those things happen in our organization, just makes me feel that I found what I should be doing in my life and enhancing people, enhancing their careers. It's a great feeling for me. So, Bruce, another question that I think comes up with some frequency is once when you make that initial meeting and you have the second you have the second meeting and the second meeting goes swimmingly. Right. How often do you need to reach out and touch the person in order to stay front of mind? But recognizing, of course, that people are busy, you're busy, the Mm -hmm. other person's Mm -hmm. busy and there's limited time to spend with any one person. I think it comes down to like once a quarter. And this is what I tell people if they can do this. Get into a system. You have to develop a system. And you could do it by creating a program online. Listing just like a CRM. You're looking at your relationships. Even a date at the last time you were face-to-face. The last time you touched them. And always find reasons. So the reason is always example. This week, how was your summer? Just wanted to touch base, see how you're doing. I hope you had a good summer. Let's catch up. Let's have a call. I think I'm going to use that. You should. It comes down to the holidays. Same thing. I never, I sit with this phone every holiday, every Mother's Day, every Father's Day, I send a text. Hope you're having a great Mother's Day. Stay well. Let's catch up. That's all I do. And I think that it always comes down to, I have all these clients. I say, you always look at your client base carefully. You look at your relationships carefully. You know who you're closer to than anybody else. You develop this relationship. One of the things that we don't do enough is network with our own clients. So it's interesting that we're talking to strangers all the time, and you shouldn't be talking to strangers. It's dangerous. But we're always talking to strangers about what we do and how we do it. But yet our own client base, so somebody would turn around to me and say, I'm a little uncomfortable about asking for introductions from my client. That client has experienced your value. They've got a story about you to tell somebody else. Now, you take your business, which generally can be just between you and a client, Mm -hmm. right? That doesn't mean that client doesn't have an accounting firm, doesn't have an attorney that doesn't do what you do, doesn't have 
a financial professional that they work with. So everybody has a team around them. So I turn around and say, I know that client's got a team. So if they can't introduce me to another person, I could certainly meet some of their team members and they would have no problem making that introduction for me. So again, it comes down to, I'll go back to this system that I have and I'm busy and they're busy. So I'll ask you, how long does it take to send two emails early in the morning as you're sitting having your coffee to two strategic partners that you've met that you haven't touched base with in a long time? Five minutes? Six minutes? So we did that on a daily basis, whether it's a client or somebody I was introduced to or another professional that I've worked with. I I touched 10 people in five days. So the lower numbers tells me that 60% of those people are going to respond to me. So great to hear from you, Adrian. And how are you doing? Again, opens up our conversation. Let's reconnect. So this way I become top of mind with them. And most high-end professionals will not, it's not that they won't do it. They just don't do it. it Why do you think cross, that is? I don't think it crosses their mind. I don't think that for me, what I do with people, I'm constantly reminding them to do that. So somebody's got to be there to nudge them a little bit or until they get into a rhythm. So my rhythm is, and it is every January, I'm going to go and start the gym. I'm going to get a gym membership and I'm just going to, and then about three weeks later, it's to, they stop coming. So you have to get into this rhythm of doing this and it becomes part of your daily thing to do. And it's a lot easier to send a reconnection email <clears throat> than to go out and network with a stranger because I'm uncomfortable about talking to that stranger over there. And I don't know how to get started. So, you know, again, going back to what I said earlier, I'm not a coach. I'm a business development guy. So what's the difference? I think the difference is that on the coaching side, which I work with a lot of coaches too, because I'm talking business development to them. On the coaching side, it's you, if you engage a coach, which I think is very positive. It's got to be somebody who's been in your business, not a general practitioner. I don't go to my eye doctor to talk about my cardiovascular work. It's just, so you've got to be able to sort this out. I will tell you that several years ago, we had an arm of the organization called the Young Executives And we had young executives who worked for our members. And I would have meetings with them on a monthly basis. And it formed a group all by itself to try to help them, help the people they're working for. Mm -hmm. Attorneys and bankers and so forth. And most of those young people became members of ARG when they graduated. So we did that for a whole year. And I thought it was very positive. And many of them are still with the firms. 
and doing very well. And some of them have become partners too. And it was quite fun as a mentor, all right, teaching them how to do this. And, and I really believe that over the, especially since COVID, the communication level has become worse, mainly because we were isolated and our communication skills have waned over the years. So my commitment is to raise that again. How do you plan to do that? I have to do it individually, <laughs> one by one. And I do it because I have an organization that only works by referral. So when Adrian introduces me to somebody, my, my organization grows. I also don't talk to strangers. I also only work by referral. So why do I do that? Because I always believe that the people in our organization are some of the nicest human beings on the planet. I can ask for that. And that's sincerely. And good people know good people. It's just their chain of good people. So whether that person works with me or joins the organization makes no difference to me. I meet another good person that you never know where that relationship is going to go. You got to be open enough to allow that to happen. And it's a lot easier for me because I'm following Adrian's introduction. So I'm not doing a cold call. I'm not chasing anybody. I'm not advertising. We don't advertise. And my whole advertising is fans, raving fans. That's how I advertise. That's how I do it. All right. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. It's just a matter of feeling comfortable enough to do that. And I tell some people that join the organization and they ask me the same questions. Yeah, I don't know how to open up that conversation. And they're taking notes and they should take notes. And then I say to them many times, so this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home and I want you to practice with your spouse or your partner. Rehearse this. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you're going to feel. All right. And let them be that person you're meeting all over again. They're your advocate. They're going to help you through this. And you refine your skills because the more we do it, the better we get. Our skill set rises and our comfort zone rises. But if we just take it and we go to practice with somebody we don't know and we fumble, then what happens? We wind up not doing it again. Fair. And I think to, to do that, I think it's very healthy. So I think it's undeniable that we live in a digital age and so much of what we do revolves around digital technology and marketing has itself evolved substantially. I myself have seen the direct benefits of marketing, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on how digital marketing can impact either the positive or the negative trajectory of your career. It's interesting. I, every morning, when I hit my office and I turn on my emails, I must have 50 emails from people I don't know who they are. I have never heard of them. Maybe they found my name on LinkedIn or whatever they did, and I delete them all. Now, I'm not telling people not to do that, but that's like the cold calls that we used to make 30 years ago. People don't need their emails floated up, all right? I know it's challenging because we're trying to reach out to people, but I'll say it again. Everybody has a network. It may not be a facilitated network, 
But think of all the people that you know, the alumni that you think about all the people in your life that you've connected with. You never did business with them, possibly, but why don't we go back to them? Why don't we let them know what we're doing and how we're doing it? One thing is inevitable. Change is inevitable every day. Babies are born every day. People leave us every day. Change is always happening, but yet we don't know about that change with people that, even if it was a casual relationship, open it up again, take a look at it. I'm not telling people not to social media. I think that you have to be careful with it. I think that LinkedIn is a great program. I think that's for businesses because we keep politics out of it. We keep so many other issues out of it in life. I think that's great exposure. You may not get any business, but you're staying out there. I'm not a big Instagram person. I'm not a big TikTok person. Maybe it's because I'm older. It's not my thing, but I think that gets too personal. I think personally, we're looking to grow a business and let's keep growing that business, laying seeds, being out there. That's the way I believe our people should be exposing themselves. We had a new member and I said to him as he joined the organization, I looked up, you're not on LinkedIn. Oh, I never did that. I said, you're going to do it. You're a young executive. You're going to do it. You're a CPA. You're going to do it. All right. You didn't do it because you're not comfortable. So let's work together and help you with that. All right. So I think there's forms of social media that is very productive for people like LinkedIn. I also believe it's very healthy to have a conversation with a social media manager. If they really know their stuff, you may not engage them, but you'll get educated. And I think that's important too. That is now certainly a market for young executives who understand social media. And I'm not just talking about websites. How do I really handle social media? And again, most people will stay away from it because they're afraid of it. They don't know how to use it. Get a social media manager. Not a bad thing to do. One of our members engaged a social media manager that I made an introduction for, and they've been working together for about a year and has really increased their business significantly. And again, it's she's outsourcing it, which is very smart because she doesn't have the time or the ability to do this on her own. It is a full-time job. Absolutely. She engaged this social media manager Whatever the cost was, it was worth it for her to outsource it and control it. In other words, it has to pass through her first before it gets published. All right. But that has worked for her significantly. Yeah, definitely. Because you need somebody who understands your vision so that they can really present you to the world the way you want to be seen. And you're right. I don't think that most professionals have the time or the experience or sometimes even just the capability to do all of these things and to do them well. And many times, the first thing that people do is I got to get a website. I've been through a half a dozen of them very closely to find the right person to do the right job. And we finally found somebody to do our work 
which surprised me because I didn't think that his outfit did that. And that was Lisa that got that done, my partner, Lisa Rosenthal. But just having a website is not enough to get business. And I always tell people, I always direct people. You turn around and you direct people to your website. Can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Yes. Take a look at my website. Now, you can build a website. You're not selling widgets. You're a professional. And one of the things that I think that is missing on websites, missing on LinkedIn, is testimonials. Let people express. They don't have to put their name on. They don't want to embarrass anybody. Let somebody express the value that they've experienced through you. Testimonials. And the reason I say that is, I don't want to talk about myself. This is not about me. All right. I want other people to talk about me. That's the best networking I'll ever get is to do that. So when people send testimonials that you can put on your LinkedIn and your website, that's what people should be reading. Because so, many people say to me, take a look at my website. Say, Listen, or they, no, this was a good conversation that I had. I looked at your website. It, you know, it was great about yourself. I said, do you think I'm going to put anything on that website that's negative for me? Everything on there is beautiful for me, right? I want you to read my testimonials. That's what I want. My clients and my members' satisfaction with the organization. That's the most important thing. So I think many times high-end professionals don't ask for that testimonial. And I think it's important for them to do that too. Just like it's important to have a testimonial letter right in your office. Describe what that means to me. I'm not well, here. <clears throat> I had an office once. And one of the things that I, I asked my clients after I had a really good experience is, would you mind writing a testimonial that I want to frame in my office? And I wound up <clears throat> with a wall full of framed testimonials. So this is a game I used to play. So somebody would come to see me in my office and I would have my assistant turn around and say, have them wait in my office. And the reason I wanted them to wait in my office is because as they're waiting for about five minutes, they're reading what's on the wall. It's human nature. They were reading about all this and I invariably would walk in and I see them standing up looking at those. And I said, I used to say all the time, I can't wait to get yours. That's a great idea that person would laugh and we would start just conversing. I still feel that's a positive thing. Anything that we can do to get relationships and clients not to keep us a secret, we should be doing that. So Bruce, we've covered a lot of territory today and I know that you're going to be speaking at the New York City Bar Association on the evening of September 20th from 5.30 to 7.30. And I'm very happy to be part of the social, social events and networking committee that's hosting the event. Any parting words for our guests today on takeaways from today's session or something that you just think people should think about? When somebody asks you, how can I help you? This has been a great experience. How can I thank you? And the thank you answer is, please don't keep me a secret. 
Excellent. Thank you for being here today. And I know I'm looking forward to hearing you speak. I hear you speak periodically as I'm a member of ARG, a proud member of ARG, but I never get sick of it because I can say that I truly benefited from your advice. So thank you. Oh, thank you for being with us. And you've been a, a raving fan of our organization. And I think the world of you and I, and not, and I'm not patronizing you because there is not a person that I have connected you to that have not expressed to me it was a great experience. And it makes me feel good when attorneys get back to me. I'm thinking of one right now who's an equity partner of a very successful firm who just believes that Adrian is the best bankruptcy attorney he's ever had experience with. All right. So you make me look like a hero. So please, this is a great exchange. It really is. Excellent. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the New York City Bar Association podcast. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers and not necessarily of the City Bar. Find more City Bar podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and Google, or at our website at www.nycbar.org podcasts. And be sure to check out our other podcasts, Building Belonging embraces authentic conversations about DEIB solutions by amplifying the most marginalized voices in the legal industry and exploring spaces others dare not. This Lawyer's Life is a professional development podcast where we talk with lawyers about seizing opportunities, learning lessons the hard way, and about what makes them tick. This podcast was produced and edited by Eli Cohen.